Welcome everyone to Reliving the Extreme. Nate Maxson, your host here with you, along of course with my brother Aaron. No. And Mr. Chad Austin as well. What up, fella? This week we're going to be reviewing the episode of ECW from April the 9th, 1996. Um, it's going to be a tough one to get a long episode out of, but... Talk slow. It, 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 it is what it is. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the one thing I did want to touch on, you know, we haven't had a lot of... It's been a lot of uh, kind of quiet, quiet years as far as like salacious controversy in pro wrestling, you know, hey, since like the kind 80s, show. 90s. And, and now all in the span of a couple of weeks, we have the uh, the Vince McMahon sex scandal thing. And then this past week, holy shit, Billy Jack Haynes killed, killed his, his wife. wife. Yes. Um, and some of the stuff that I'm reading or that I couldn't find the one thing that I had read that was kind of a local post about it from someone that was like, I don't know, lived in the neighborhood or whatever, but um, I know Billy Jack is 70. His wife was 85. <laughs> Good Lord. Are you sure he killed and, her? And the, uh, the, oh, yeah. the one person, the one person that was posting, and again, I don't know, it's the internet, but I had seen some, somebody <laughs> had a theory that it was a, a mercy killing because the lady had uh, dementia and, like Billy Jack had talked about if it ever got that bad, she wanted him to offer. I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, 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 watched, I, don't I watched, I watched, I watched some local news stuff about it and they were all saying how nice Billy Jack was, but I think, I mean, obviously Billy Jack Haynes is not mentally healthy either. All you have to do is watch any of his shoes and then just all the other stuff that he talks about. So he's, he's mental. He's probably got dementia. It's two mental people living in a house together. And honestly, a lot of times if it's a mercy killing, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I, I don't like, like the one guy that was interviewing him was like, you know, I was a wrestling fan and I'd go down and talk to Billy Jack. And he told me that if it wasn't for his injury, he'd be bigger than Hulk Hogan. And just, it's like, he's insane. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I just think it's a bunch got, of people around him that don't want to believe it because they thought he was a, they, not even as they thought he was a nice guy. It's just your neighbor. You don't expect your neighbor to shoot his wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got a completely like when I when I heard about this dude, I was completely blown away. I lived with the guy. I mean, I lived with him for like eight months, <laughs> and, and uh, nothing, none of this. He was he was so nice, dude. We opened up a wrestling school together. When was that? Uh, when I was in Memphis. Okay. So was that? Or you know, was that ninety six? You know, he he kind of ended up he kind of ended up staying at Bull's house too. All right, it's when he was like in between uh, USWA and Smoky Mountain. They kind of like kind of when they were working together. So he basically had work, you know five six days a week so he was working in between them but he was staying there and he, he was just I, I we never talked i never really talked to him dude i wanted to so bad talk to him about portland you know and, and all that other stuff but we, we ended up just being friends and um the only thing the only thing he ever told me that was that was a little bit odd was he drove all the way to portland to texas because he was going to kill holly race <laughs> 
And he did. He said he drove all the way from Portland to Texas with a gun. And he ended up, uh, I think he ended up breaking down like right when he got into Texas. And um, then I think he got, he got, he got caught or he got arrested or something down there, I mm-hmm. guess with the gun or something. But he literally said, I was going to fucking kill Harley Race. What did Harley do to him to make him want to kill him? Do you know? Um, it was, it was, it was something about a territory that they worked in or something. Um, and, and over, he cost him some money somehow or something, but he didn't really get too much into it because I didn't want to. I don't want to be a witness. Right. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to know too much of that of that stuff. But I mean, like literally, he was he was a yes yes sir no sir guy, really nice everything, and um, you know, even when he left, like he 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 rolled out in the middle of the night, and uh, he left he left a note at Bull, on Bull's counter. With a hundred dollars, and, and thank you know we, we, nobody paid to stay at Bulls. Everybody just chipped in, like you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Right. Food, anything. If you had, it was no no rent. It was when the you know beat when the electric bill came. Everybody pitched in, so it was that kind of it was that kind of house there. But yeah, he just rolled out like in the middle of the night, left a hundred bucks. We were like, wow, what a cool guy, man. You know, and he was he was as cool as could be, and then. It just, he just kept hearing more and more and more stories. And I'm like, how do I get mixed up with these people? I get, I got mixed up a couple of years, a year before that with Bruiser Bedlam. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look how that turned out. And, and now, now I'm hobnobbing with Billy Jack Haynes. <laughs> and look where that, and New Jack. <laughs> and look well, where that I, got. I seriously, I, I seriously believe that he has, obviously has mental brain issues. And I mean, he did that whole interview where he had all the supposed facts that Vince McMahon <laughs> killed the Benoit's and because Daniel or, or the little boy was Vince McMahon's love child with Nancy and and, and it's just it, he went insane. Yeah. And then you get down to this then you get down to the stone cold piece of shit video where he's wearing the blonde wig and <laughs> yes yeah, all that. that. I think it's just I think it was too mentally I don't I don't say I two Dude, people Portland with Portland is not brain issues living in a house together is a bad Portland idea. Portland is a weird place, dude. That northeast and northwest territory, like not a whole lot of stable people come out of there. I think it's probably <laughs> Washington and Oregon to live there is probably fucking depressing. Like it's always cloudy, it's always raining. And the and the other reason I think it wasn't a mercy thing is because most people that do mercy killings, they don't. Um, once they do it, they just say, you know, I did what I did or whatever. He did like a standoff with the cops. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he he was in that house for like hours without coming out. Most mercy killing people rationalize in their brain what I did was okay and would probably just give themselves up. Oh, there's you know a bunch I mean? of ways so, you could have did it. I mean. You could have had her write a note, or I mean, I, even though I'm not saying it would it would hold up in court or anything, right. but you could you could call the police and have them on the phone while you're doing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And be like, "Hey, look, she wants me to kill her, and then here she is." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want them to kill me. And you know, and the lady I mean, that there's a million ways that, you could have done it, but yeah, just, just the other, say it was a mercy killing. But the other person though, on the news. The other person on the news that I watched, she said she was staying with that lady because Billy Jack Billy Jack was in the hospital for an unrelated thing. 
and then came back from the hospital and then told that lady, you know, go ahead and take off. I got it from here. Oh, he does. Like you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell me in that whole time that lady wasn't like, you know, hey, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Billy Jack put me down or whatever. Put me I, down. I think the mercy kill I think the mercy killing thing is uh it's it's the first thing that he probably popped into his head. Oh, and yeah, yeah I'm not I mean, disagree. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just knew. I just knew that that was what I had read. That it wasn't like a. I don't know. I I don't know that it it was. It wasn't like a domestic dispute or anything. What I think was, even if it was, even what I want to say, in his, in, his, in his mental in his mental capacity, he probably does think like he thinks he's. You know what I'm saying? Like in his mental capacity, he probably thinks that he was doing her a favor. And he really does think that, but it's wild, man. This guy's going to wind up in court and his lawyer is going to be like, absolutely not. Do not take that stand. Do not <laughs> take the stand. And he's gonna be wearing you tell your lawyer. Wig. Yeah, he's going to be wearing that blonde wig. <laughs> and he, and if you, if, even if your lawyer tells you to not take the stand and you want to take the stand, they can't stop you. You know what I mean? Dude, he's like, going to raise the the lawyer has to say, you know, like like lawyers will have to stand up in court and say, like, you know, <laughs> against my direction, he wants to, like, testify on his own behalf. Because that way, <laughs> if it goes south, he can't come back and say that he got misled by his attorney. You know what I mean? Could, could you he's going to get up just, there. He's going to get up there and, and start, be, call, start calling Brady Boone as a character witness. Yeah. Just, he's gonna, just imagine he's, you're the lawyer. going to be insane. You're, yeah, you're the lawyer, and, and, and he's defending he him. And you're, you're you're defending him, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the corner of your eye, you see Billy Jack Haynes' hand come up, like for the judge to recognize what has to be going through that lawyer's mind. Like, oh no, oh, 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 oh. your honor. And that's when the, that's when the lawyer just puts his hand on the, on his face and just goes, oh. You know, 26 yeah. years I've been doing this, you know, 30 years. He's going to end up blaming Stone Cold or Vince McMahon. It's going to be oh, a fucking yeah, dude, disaster. If, if he gets on that stand, it's going to be a fucking disaster. Dude, it's got to be aired. I want to I see every minute of it. <laughs> yes, you do, dude. It has to be aired. Oh, that is something else. I mean, what, what a what a it's, just a what a year this has been so far. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> God, what a year the what a year the past month and a half has been. Yes, it's not even a half yet. <laughs> it's just been a month and a few days. God damn. Yeah, we went from Vince getting fired, then the best angle in wrestling in like twenty years, and then fucking Billy Jack Haynes murdering his wife. What's gonna <laughs> happen next? Yeah, what's gonna happen next? Well. It didn't happen on this show. No, it did not. This episode of EC and and I, and I wrote down here. It's not a bad episode of the show. Nope. It's just it's just a it essentially the the entire almost forty five minutes of the show revolves around one match. And again, for a television viewing, that's not a bad thing. For a television review show, <laughs> that is a bit of a challenge. So. If this show's a little shorter this week, folks, it is what it is. But I wonder. Yeah, I wonder when fine. that was taped. That's what I, I'd like to know. I wonder if that was taped the same week as me at like the New Jack from last week stuff. 
I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't know because I don't really pay, you know, watch the shows or, or that kind of stuff while I was there. But uh, I wonder if that was the same, the same night. Because I don't, I don't remember meeting, I don't remember meeting Brian Lee. Um, I met him at Smoky Mountain, but I don't remember meeting him in ECW. It was just like, just like half the guys that were there, I just don't remember meeting them there. Mm-hmm. Much like last week's show. I'm trying to check here. Let me see. History of WWE.com. Well, that was Brian Lee's first match, good. right? Yeah, this is his first. This is definitely his first appearance in ECW. Okay, because I wrote that down because I wanted to ask you that. All right, let's see. New Jack. So he's fresh. Uh, he's fresh out of doing the Undertaker angle, or had he already did it yet? Because his hair was red. He already did it. Yeah, it was like yeah, a I, I year just, ago. I just looked here. Um, ECW Arena, March thirtieth, nineteen ninety six. Um, the New Jack and Mustafa defeated Blue Meanie and Chad Austin. And then also, yes, on this card as the main event, Shane Douglas, Tommy Dreamer, and Sandman versus Raven, Ron, and Don right. Harris. So, yeah, this it was on the same show. Okay. Wow, what a night that was. Good Lord. The fans <laughs> got their money's worth, I guess. <laughs> I don't think there was any matches. <laughs> it was just uh, like a three-hour three just nonstop. Run out there. Run out there. That's what it seemed like to me anyway. But yeah, it wasn't a bad show, especially if you're if you're just a viewer sitting at home, you know, mm-hmm. watching it because it was nonstop. It was just chaos from beginning to end. Yeah, they're telling, and they're and they're telling a story throughout, you know, when we open the show. Um they they open the show with uh, with uh, the Eliminators promo from last week talking about the the gangsters because that's the new feud is the Eliminators and the gangsters for the tag titles. We cut to the ring. Joey Styles is in the ring, introduces us, welcomes us to the ECW arena, and then Raven, Kimona, the Bruise Brothers, and Doctor Mark Allen come <laughs> to the ring. Gout and all, yeah. And that's that's the thing is the the funny thing is like. Do you think when they said a couple of weeks ago that he had the gout, they were ribbon? Because now they're actually saying, you know, this was like a serious foot injury that needed surgery. They aren't mentioning the gout anymore. <laughs> so I just, I was, I was wondering if like a couple they, of weeks ago. I think they just said the gout thing because it was a joke and they probably didn't know his foot was as fucked up as it was. You know what I mean? I mean, he probably See, went I, I also like, oh shit, he's, he's really fucked up. I also kind of thought in a way that it was a way for him to introduce the boot gimmick mm-hmm. because that became that became like he got that from the grappler in Portland. And you know, if you notice, he is wearing the the black sole and the white sole boots, right? Like you know what I mean. So I I kind of I, I don't know. I you know. I didn't. I never asked them. Never questioned it. I mean, because I know, because what I thought I had was the gout, and and um, you know, and I know my goddamn, it hurts so bad. Like just to do anything, even to not do anything, it hurts so bad. Because I was just thinking, like, I wonder if it is the gout. Because you know, I, it would be hard as hell to wrestle. You know, but well, if you well, notice, well, he well, really didn't do much. Well, I think he <laughs> might actually le- legitimately fucked his foot up, is because by the time he gets he gets to WCW. And they did a when he first got there, they showed his boots and like he had one boot that was 
like more elevated, like yeah. heel wise, like the the soul. And they said it was because he was he was had uneven feet or whatever. And I think he actually fucked up his foot. And I think the surgery they did on it, like, <laughs> like he probably lost some bone out of it. I think. And so you're thinking it was I a shoot? Just use that as, yeah. Like I I don't like I think he legitimately fucked his foot up. And luckily the style that he worked in ECW, I mean Raven had shit working around him. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Raven didn't do a lot in the ring it's just all the shit happened around him and then he just ended up pinning somebody and so i mean it didn't really slow him down being hurt but yeah i think his foot was really fucked up yeah well christ look look here at one point when the brawl was going on he was laying in the corner and kimono kimono was basically laying on his lap <laughs> like she was kissing him <laughs> like when all this mayhem's going going on ravens is that nature had some popcorn <laughs> like he was just sitting there in the corner <laughs> while all this shit was going on. Like I watched an interview with him and he talked about fighting Sandman when it was his favorite because Sandman fall off of this, Sandman would fall off of that. I'd hit him with a trash can and then I'd pet him. Like, it was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, that sounds like Scotty, dude. That definitely sounds like Scotty to me. Yeah, that, that was some shit. But that, that, I always thought that that was part of him introducing that foot thing, but I didn't, I don't, you know, I don't know. Scotty, he never told the truth anyway. Even when, because he was always ribbing and goofing around and just fucking with you, so you, you never knew when he was being, you know, honest or anything. But yeah, mm -hmm. I guess he was fucked up. Who knows? The um, yeah, but we get like I said, we open the show with the segment with um, Mark or Doctor Allen telling us that Raven had to undergo the surgery to reconstruct his foot after the damage Shane Douglas did to him two weeks ago. Um, then the Sandman hits the ring. And says Raven can wrestle with a broken foot if he can wrestle drunk. Good logic. Good logic from the Sandman. Right. What you expect? Hey, by any chance, did you guys, any of you two take a note of, of what all the doctors said was in Scotty's foot? Good Lord. Where, I did. Where, like, where, I did. In, where like, in your that, foot is there enough room for all that stuff? It was like 27 screws, two plates. Yeah. And it sounds it was like, like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I don't like it was like a lot, it was like Jericho's list of moves. You know, like he he rolls the scroll down and the doctor's just reading off. I'm like this is all in the dude's foot. There's a Gradunzel in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah, the Sandman, what was it? The um Sandman comes out. I mean, what I mean, what this is all just a fucking uh, big schmaz. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, then, you know, Raven and Bruce Brothers attack Sandman. Douglas comes out. Tommy Dreamer comes out. And then, like Chad was alluding to just a minute ago, we get our first appearance in ECW of primetime Brian Lee, who comes in and helps to attack Tommy Dreamer. And like, um, like, like Aaron said, that was fresh off the Undertaker angle, right? Or not, not fresh, fresh, but it wasn't too far gone, right? Yeah, about a, a little over a year, but okay. he also, um, I don't remember, I guess my timing's off, because he was in Smoky Mountain before WWF, before he right. did the Undertaker yeah. thing, and then in between the Undertaker thing and ECW, did he go to Memphis at all? Probably. I would have thought Probably. he would have worked at Memphis while he, while he was in Smoky Mountain. Because well, I mean, because he didn't go back to Smoky Mountain because... Um, I watched Jim Cornette talk about him and Vince called uh, Brian Lee about becoming the under faker. And he said he could start right away. 
and Vince was like, well, don't you have like, you know, I know you're working for, for Cornette and Smoky Mountain. Do you have anything to finish up there? And he was like, nope, as soon as you need me, Vince. And Vince <laughs> called Cornette and told him. And then he goes, and just so you know, Corny, he told me that uh, he'd leave right away. So you can't trust him. And this was basically like, I'm going to I'm going to get rid of him as soon as he's because they promised him that they were going to keep him. And then when he just left Cornette with no notice, Vince was like, well, if you did it to him, he could do it to me. So they used him for that Undertaker shit. And then we're like, peace, dude, you're untrustworthy. So I I, I know he left right, Vince I, and then I, he probably I, didn't go back to Smokey. He might have went to I, Japan. I actually know. no, I, I just looked it up while you were talking uh, after SummerSlam 94. He returned to the USWA. It was in the USWA that he first teamed with his real life cousins, Ron and Don Harris. So, yeah, so he did. He went to he went to Memphis after the Fed, and then now he's in ECW. Yeah, I knew he was real life cousin with the Harrisons. I knew that. Well, it was a hell of a debut, I guess. Yeah, because they. uh, they throw it in the locker, or Joey throws it to the locker room. The Bruce Brothers and Brian Lee um, pretty much doing the yelling and screaming shit. You don't know what they're saying, you know, while Raven's screaming about his foot. And uh, it's just insanity back in the locker room with Raven and his cronies. Anything to keep Raven from doing any work. <laughs> God, he's so, he's so good at that. <laughs> just surrounding himself with everybody else that they can do all the work. My God. Well, then, what do we Aaron, did you have? Aaron, did you have any comments on that? No, because it's like he said, it was just a bunch of random yelling. And like I said, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind Brian Lee, but I don't care for the Bruce Brothers. So, well, they I, show love the, I love the Bruce Brothers. They show the, uh, they show the, the entrance ramp or the entrance curtain. With two fugly people, standing, a fugly lady and a fugly dude standing on either side of it yeah. for about for about forty five minutes to a or forty five seconds to a that. minute. <laughs> they look like they look like like Bob's Burger characters or like where everything was just kind of drawn a little bit off. Like, what is yeah, going for on? For all I know, it could have been my wife and her new boy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, they were people that got to, you know, they didn't get, I, let's put it this way. You know, they didn't get paid to work the show. Well, they probably paid Paul. <laughs> I know one guy, the guy was there all the time. I knew who the guy was. I don't know his name, but I just know he was there all the time. And he would, he would always hang around. Like, I think he would help put the ring up sometimes and tear it down or look for something to do. That's, I can't remember his name. I don't even know if I ever knew it, but I just know he was always there. I guarantee you, if it was if it was 2024, he would be carrying a replica championship belt as well. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, hell, if it was a, a, another year or so later, he'd probably be carrying a mannequin head. <laughs> you know, he had to do that, right? Good lord! He probably he probably brought a cookie sheet every show for New Jack. At a wrestling convention, there's nothing worse than a. A fat fuck neck beard walking around with a championship belt like he like he won it. They always like whenever they put it on, they always walk around like they're impressive. It's like you're not impressive. I, I love that dude's that dude's meme or whatever it says. 
if you walk around with a, with a, a belt over your shoulder, you should be forced to defend you it. You have to defend it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best. He's, it's like a 24-7 title <laughs> for neckbeards. Like I've taken my I have I have belts that I have on display and I've taken them to conventions in my bag to have them signed. But I don't walk around the convention with my winged evil eagle WWF championship around my waist. Like you pin Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah. At the garden. <laughs> you talking how you went 25, 35 minutes with Bret Hart. Well, you must have drove him then. Because <laughs> you certainly didn't work him. No, it's, to, it's more like you took a big shark at the Olive Garden. That's what you did. <laughs> Good Lord. Now, speaking of big sharks, the next thing that we see on this show is Joel Hartgood. Joel Sharkgood heading to the ring. <laughs> Little shark. My boy. And he's uh, he's supposed to be having a match with the Broad Street Bully. This is supposed to be a quote-unquote standby match because the... Uh, the champion Raven has decided not to hit the ring yet. So, but as they're about to have their match, Axel Rotten comes to the ring, takes out uh, takes out Broad Street Bully with a barbed wire bat, and proceeds to just take the match from him. And then it's Axel versus Joel Hartgood. <laughs> after after he beats him up and pins him, whatever. Did you did you notice what Axel said while he was standing there? Like you could hear Mike pick him up. And he was like, standby match. <laughs> this is he's I'll give you a standby match or some shit like that. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I I would love to take it a picture if we had cell phones back then of what the run sheet looked like posted on the locker room door <laughs> for you know for this event. If it had anything put on it at all. It just had the show's date, you know, and a list of names of what and what order you're running out for some, you know. For some ones. Here's the order you're running out for some nonsense. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even a meeting. You, you, you didn't even talk to the guy beforehand. It was just, it said, all oh, you guys are running out for nonsense. Just look for somebody to beat you up. <laughs> well, Axel, Axel, we, Axel was here, or he was in ECW for a while. And then we, as we noticed after the thing with Ian died down, he kind of went away for a while. And now he's back, and I think I think we're to the point now where he's he's pretty much back until the end. I don't think he disappears anymore from the promotion that I can remember. I don't know where he went. I can't remember where he went. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, Japan. I don't. Yeah, I don't know either. I, but like I said, I just noticed that you know once the once the Ian thing died down, <laughs> he wasn't featured for at least I don't know what four to six months. <laughs> And then uh, now, in the past few the past few tapings, he's been back. And like I said, I don't think I think now he's in he's in it till the end. At this point, we're gonna see well, him. I do know I do know that at some point, if he hadn't gone to Japan and you know in between that absence or whatever, I do know that Ian had started running shows, not the IWA as you know it, mm-hmm. just like spot shows. And um, I knew Axel was being brought in, and like literally, Axel. I remember Axel laughing about like how much he charged Ian. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's like your best friend, and you're laughing about how you're ripping him off. Yeah, so it, it, Axel was kind of all over the place, uh, like for a while, like right around there. Yeah, so I guess he's back in the stay because, but Paul needed a. Um, I guess we. I guess we needed a bit. Well, I was gone by then. 
but we needed a solid mid-card guy, right? I mean, right. everybody else is involved in that upper-tier stuff with Shane and Raven and saying, you know, other than that, you know, we're public enemies, you know, gangsters. They're doing their – there's nobody in the middle. Axel was always great for that. Right. Always. Yeah. And he can, he, can, he can be a face. He can be a heel. He can fit Crowd in where you need him, him to. Yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. Aaron, any comments on uh, this whole little segment here, the in-between? I was trying to look up where he fed. I think um, I think he'd always been there. I think if we'd be watching some of which I'm cool with that we're not, but I think if we'd be watching some of those um, super shows or whatever, we'd be seeing him more. I don't think he was doing a lot on TV. I think he was like a in-the-arena act more from what I can gather because it doesn't really say he went anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, he probably ended up down in with, with Ian. So now as far away from him as possible. Oh <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, like I said, he, I know he was paying him big money. I know that. He uh we, we now get Lance Wright with the uh Hype Central. Hype Central, yeah. And uh, he, he talks about how the ECW fan of the week is Brian Pillman's lawyer. <laughs> um, and essentially, the, the gist is Pillman, Pillman, needs to, Pillman has to wrestle. Pillman has to wrestle, whether he wants to or not, whether he's injured or not. We need him to wrestle. And the reality of the situation is, I don't know if he actually ever does. We're going to find out. He doesn't. I, I, don't, I didn't think so. I was like, I don't think they ever even paid off Pillman and Douglas. He never had a match. He had that, he had that accident before they could do it. Yeah, he, he, Pillman had never had a match <laughs> in ECW. Hell, he never had a match in WWE either, did he? They had a lot of matches in WWE. He did. I just thought he did the psycho shit. Yeah, he did. He did have. He did have. He didn't have a. He didn't. What do I want to say? He didn't wrestle extensively in WWE, but once he started with the Heart Foundation thing, he did that. He did that feud with Goldust and. Um, so I mean, uh, he didn't. He didn't have any. I guess it shouldn't say a lot of matches, but yeah. He, that, at mean, that point, he wasn't. He also wasn't. Uh, he wasn't wrestling like the Brian Pillman. You know, you saw in like 1989 to 1993. That's for against sure. Against Liger. Yeah. <laughs> basically, be- best best Lex Luger match ever. Best really? match Lex. Best match Lex Luger ever had was with Brian Pillman. I think it's at a Great American Bash. I can't Probably remember. Baltimore. Yeah, it was for it was when Luger was the U.S. champ and he was a heel U.S. champ, and he just it just like Pillman's just his random opponent for that night. You know he's gonna lose, but that's best the best match I, I I've ever seen Luger have. But anyway, I, I gotta look for that then. I was I was sure I was sure Pillman was the type of guy that if he told me he couldn't do something he'd do it. So I bet they probably told him they were like you can't get anything out of Lex. And he was like fuck you, I'm gonna get something <laughs> out of him. <laughs> Well, that that probably is it probably isn't what um, Pillman meant by that, because <laughs> because that that was the same thing that uh, Eddie Gilbert used to go by. If he told me I can't do something, but it wasn't like get a good match out of somebody. It was like go out of the ring, or you know what I mean, <laughs> or or blade or something. I don't think he sat there and said, "Watch this, I'm going to get a good match out of Luger." <laughs> I don't think that was his intentions. But you never know, dude. He's a strange fella. There's only three guys that ever were able to do it. 
Let's get set well, Luger. It was it was Pillman, Steamboat, and Flair. That's it. What about Hanson? <laughs> what about Brody? Ran away yeah. from Bruce and Brody. <laughs> and Hanson just beat him up. <laughs> like he didn't run away, but he just beat him up. The funny thing about that is the bet to my personal favorite Lex my personal favorite part piece of business Lex Luger's career was when he was the heel champion with Harley Race and Mr. Hughes, that whole act. But during that time, yeah, during that time he wasn't having great matches, but I was just I, I just remember as however old I was at the what was that, 91, 90, 91 after Flair left. So 91. Right when Flair left. So I'm like 13 years old, and like I thought Lex Luger was cool as shit during that run uh, <laughs> back then. I just I thought you know, I, and again, I back at 13, I'm probably not thinking about match quality anyway. I'm just looking at the show. As, and honestly, as a, as a heel, it's not terrible for him to be that type of wrestler, but just in general, just the guy. This is an Lex Luger show, but anyway, yeah, we, yeah. we we needed, we needed to, time, we needed right? to pad it. We needed to pad it, so. Hey, speaking of speaking of the big cat, <laughs> Mr. Hughes, I heard his name got mentioned on um, one of John McAdams' pods. I think he had something to do with the training of the Rock's daughter. Because I, I, I was sitting at the table listening to like the show, and all of a sudden I heard like she was sent down to somewhere that he had a school. And he said with the big cat and the guy who was doing the show with him said, "Are you lad?" <laughs> <laughs> said I don't I don't I don't think it was Ernie Land. And he goes, No, <laughs> Cur Curtis Hughes. And I my my ears peaked peaked up and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Cur Curtis Hughes? <laughs> yeah, May I have had something to do with the Rock's daughter. I just see him sitting outside the ring and like one of those wooden folding chairs, and the two people in the ring are like, Hey, Miss Hey, hey, Curtis, how'd how'd we do? How'd we do? And he's just, <laughs> just sleeping. That's Sorry, exactly how, that's exactly how Billy Jack ran his school. My narcolepsy kicked. Billy Jack sat there outside the ring. I was the guy in the ring doing all the work. And, and Billy Jack was the one getting the money. So, yeah, he probably ran that kind of school. My name's on it. Big Cat. Big Cat Wrestling Academy. Good Lord. You got to be a fool. Oh, the cat box. <laughs> yeah, the litter, the litter box. <laughs> <laughs> the cat box. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> well, let's see. All right, let me get back into my notes here. Um, now we actually get Raven coming to the ring. Limping. Mona. Yes, and the Bruce Brothers who are kind of kind of carrying him to the ring as he's limping. Come um, to the cat box where we teach you how to clump and bump. <laughs> clump. <laughs> Clump and bump. <laughs> I smell a meme coming. <laughs> Archie. So yeah, we got we got Raven coming out now. With they and was, they was essentially. This, hang on, was this was this the was this a setup? Like was this the setup for the match, or was it just still a spillover from everything? I think this this once we get Raven coming to the ring, I think this is all one. But you can tell that Polly was like, "All right, there's six of you. Well, plus the extracurricular people like Stevie and Meanie and stuff. You guys, we're gonna fill 45 minutes <laughs> with this shit because Raven has his entrance, and then 
they do a long entrance for Tommy. They do a long entrance for Sandman. They do a long entrance for Douglas. They all start up in the bleachers and work their way down to the ring. So everybody gets a big, long entrance. And, you know, the live live crowd, ECW Arena, not WWE Network music, actual real recordings of the music, getting the fans hyped up. The long entrances are a good thing for an arena show. I don't know so much for TV, but inside the arena, it's cool. It's It sets the atmosphere. People are, you know, they like the music. They like the wrestlers. I can see why they did it. Well, yeah, you, guys, they you, had got, the, you got stuff going on in like all set, all corners of the arena. Your heads are turned. Your heads are constantly turning. You know, they'll spotlight to the entrance, Sandman, spotlight to the to the Eagle's Nest, Shane, or what you know what I mean? There was constant nonstop something going on. So yeah, it was definitely good if you were in person. The only problem I got with it is that like Sandman's got his gimmicks, you know, like he's got beer and cigarettes and his and his cane and everything. So if the camera's on him too long, it's all right because he's got shit to do. But when it's on like Shane, he's just like standing up at the eagle's nest. What is There's only so many times you can do the triple threat and point at people before you're like, all right, dude, <laughs> do something <I'm> down. <laughs> like you're, right, you're just standing there like a dildo. Let's, let's yeah, move you're on. Like, you're like backlending in the singlet. Do something. It's like, do something. Jesus. Well, now I pretty much just answered my own question because it just popped in my head now anyway, because I do remember they got the graphic for the six man. That now that when I asked if it was a scheduled match, yeah, they had the graphic for it. Mm-hmm. Unless they somehow just stored up all, all out of nowhere. I guess we got a six man match now. Fuck we, it. We, and we we'll get into some of the specifics of the match. But I wrote down a question that I wanted to ask you guys, especially you, Chad, because you are you you were a worker. I am not, never have been. So I'm going to ask you as a worker about a logic thing here. So this is your your standard ECW. Everybody's fighting all over the arena. There's cracking each other with fucking chairs and cheese graters and frying pans and dinosaurs and whatever. Come and that's, that's, that's all well and good, okay? It's a great spectacle. But because they made it that type of match, isn't the hot tag in and out thing and stuff kind of silly? Like, to be honest, like, like this, we have this big hardcore crazy match and Shane Douglas is waiting patiently holding the tag rope for a hot tag. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why, why didn't Joey bring that up? Like, especially when the Harris boys tagged. Because first off, the one Harris boy didn't have the tag rope. He was just on the apron. Like, you know, like halfway down the ropes. Halfway down the ropes, the other Harris boy just reaches out and tags him. <laughs> you know what I mean? After they had just done all this, it somehow broke down into a tag team match like that. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make a whole lot of logic, like sense to me. That like, you know, how did John Finnegan restore order? I, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I guess the same the way as when, It's the same way as there's times when they'd have like, like. The manager in ECW distract the referee so that he could hit somebody with a weapon. It's like, why? Why do we need to distract them? Yeah, referees just standing there watching it. Or, or ECW, they like later on they're going to be like, we're having a ladder match. Ladders are legal in this match. It's like I think they're legal in every match. <laughs> every match. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anything was illegal except except like one of my matches. Or Tony Stetson or Donnie Howes. No weapons, guys. <laughs> We're, we'll send the weapon out. Nine one one. 
Yeah, it didn't make any sense, honestly. So the note, my notes for the match are all over the place because the match is all over the place. And again, it's not bad. It's entertaining. Uh, it's very long. Aaron, Chad, did you guys have any specific spots or anything that you took notes on that you wanted to bring up? Nope. Typical. Just typical. What you would expect. Right, Aaron? Yeah. Like, they they really don't really have much except for um, there is one point where uh, I think somebody goes through a table or whatever and, and Styles says, if I was an aging fossil right now, I'd say this is a slobber knocker or whatever, or bowling shoe ugly. It's like they slam in JR. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, they did. I caught that. Yeah, I caught that as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they want that. They want that one little jab. It was all was. And not and not just that. Not just that. But if we're gonna we're gonna take jabs at a wrestling product during 1996, let's take some jab, especially during this time. Let's take some jabs at WCW because they deserve it. Well, that's fine, but my thing too is like, how about you don't take a jab at the guy that's like helping keep you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like attack Vince or something, but leave that Jay very that very well could have got keeping you in business. That very well could have been Polly telling him to say that because Polly. Well, I know it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying that if I was Paul, <laughs> I'm like I'm not gonna make fun of the guy that got me hooked up with fucking two grand a week or whatever. Yeah, not to mention all the guys that he got jobs for. <laughs> that were there. Jesus. But yeah, essentially, this match, like I said, it's all over the place. The one thing they did do that I thought was a nice touch was they, they like, like Aaron and Chad both mentioned, Raven, the king of having to do as little work as he possibly can, you know, and the story of the matches he's got is he's got his thugs, his his crew working working for him. You got Brian Lee involved. Of course, he's teaming with the Bruce Brothers. Stevie Richards and Meanie are out there. So Raven doesn't really have to do much for most of the match, which is the point. And then the other thing that I thought was cool to keep the match going and keep the drama going is if you notice throughout the match at one point through at any time throughout the match, one of the faces, I guess you call them faces, ECW faces, heels <laughs> is a, is a cloudy thing, but on the dreamer Douglas Sandman team at any point during the match at any time, one of them is at some point either sidelined they're back in the back brawling with someone. They've been, you know, taken out of the match. So the heels constantly have the advantage. So that's essentially the drama of this matchup. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it was it was so much going on. Yeah, people would disappear, you know, and like you say, go back into the locker room and all that stuff. Because there would always be a it would always be like a focus on something. Yeah. It, didn't at one point I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. I don't know if it really if it, how it happened, but. At one point, Shane was standing on a table, like not – it was below the eagle's nest. It was by the eagle's nest, but it was on the ground. Yes. And yes. all of a sudden, he disappears. Like, did he fall through the table? or? I, I think the table broke. I actually okay, wrote yeah. that down. Yeah, I did write that down. I put – and I, my note just says, Shane Douglas table mishap. So, yeah, I think maybe he was standing on it, and there was supposed to be a spot of some kind, and the table just broke. Yeah, because you're right. He just disappeared, like like he like it was a, like it was a Looney Tunes, and he just fell into the hole in the floor. Yeah, the ground. yeah. I, I didn't know if somebody was on the table and he was standing on or what. I just saw him just drop, and it was like I wrote it down. Like I was hoping that one of you guys caught it as well. 
I didn't see anybody on there with him. Who knows? Could have been that fat guy from earlier with the neck beard. Tommy? <laughs> he, he thought he was holding it up for him. So let well, me see. The, as far as the finish goes, uh, low blow by Dreamer. Dreamer hits pile driver on the door. There's a door. But anyway, um, Sandman, Sandman essentially, essentially the story of the finish is the Sandman saves Tommy Dreamer from getting pinned. That was the um, joke. That was the joke because they take the door and and uh, uh, Style says, if I was a, some aging fossil, I'd say Katie bar the door right now. But here in ECW, we ripped the door off the <laughs> Oh, you... That yeah, was the joke. The ring or something. It took me a minute. I didn't write the joke down. And then when he brought the door up, I'm like, that's what it was. <laughs> the door. <laughs> the door was the highlight of the match. <laughs> the like he could have just said he could have just said some promotions would some announcers would say Katie bar the door, but he didn't say if I was some aging fossil. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but I'm just like, fuck you. In that moment, I'm like, fuck you. And at this point, Jr. isn't even that fucking old. I know he's he's, oh. he's in his seventies now, right? Uh, late seventies. Yeah. So back then, what he's in his forties, you know, he's not an aging fossil. <laughs> it's not. It's not like it's not. And no offense to him, but it's not like it's it's ninety six and you've got Gordon Soley out there. Oh, good you night. Know? I mean, and I'm not I'm not hating on Gordon. I'm just saying at that point, Gordon was an aging fossil. You know, I mean, it is what it is, but. <laughs> Yeah, take a stab to Jim Ross. Like you said, Aaron, that was definitely that was definitely Paulie. <laughs> All day. And 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 then they, they, they made the comment right after the right when the pin was happening about how Douglas sacrificed the Sandman. Yeah, and and that that's kind of the story of the finish is he Douglas, let it happen. Yes, yeah. He he let it happen. He sacrificed Sandman to um <clears throat> to pin Raven. Uh, because what well, Sandman had saved Tommy, right? Yeah, yeah. So Sandman saved Tommy, but Douglas was saw saw Sandman getting crotched into the the ring post by the Bruise Brothers, and just was like, "Yeah, no, I'm get, I'm taking the pin. I'm not going to help my partner. Yeah, take the pin." Yeah, I mean, Christ, Raven was laying was laying out for a long time too. Like I wasn't expecting that to be the pin because Raven was out. Like for a while, and at, all this was going on while Sandman's getting posted and crossed and everything. Douglas is standing there, and all of a sudden he just covers Raven, and it's like one, two, three. And I'm thinking, damn. And that was a long time for Raven to be out. Yeah. Especially do a stupid finisher like the belly to belly on a table. Just stupid thing. I mean, on the door. Yeah, I just think it's a, such a stupid. It's a stupid finisher. I've always thought it. I even thought it when they gave when they gave it to Magnum. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you never you never did it in a in an amateur wrestling match or a street fight. No, I just think it's a silly finish. Well, first you got to hug the guy before you can do it. <laughs> I don't want to hug anybody just to throw him on the ground. I can't get my hands around Bob's big boy anyway. Man, what if your opponent's a big fat fuck? <laughs> that too. It's a belly and jelly buddy. Yeah, what if you have to fight the Humphrey brothers or whatever? <laughs> it's a, 
The, the two Humphreys and Andrew. <laughs> Fuck you. I hope you get so hit by a drunk driver on your way home tonight. So to, cl- to close out our show for this week, what kind of score did we give uh, to give this episode, guys? I I gave it a, I gave it a B. A B. Well, you still got oh, we missed, we missed one. We missed one thing. Oh, yeah. sorry. And it's not a big thing, but they all go to beat down um, Beulah, and Raven ends up or keep, oh, yeah, tries yeah, yeah, to yeah. stop him, and Raven ends up knocking her down. So they're setting the they're setting the seeds for those two breaking up. So. Yeah, I, and I, 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 you're right because I wrote down <laughs> Kimona gets backhanded like a hooker. Yeah, right. Well, she was oh, like, 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 like her. <laughs> yeah, like she was supposed to. <laughs> not, not advocating backhanded, backhanded women. But backhanded. Oh, I am. <laughs> oh, I totally am. Slap a bitch. Not, advoca- not advocating ham boning women, but. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, I gave the show a a, a, a good, a solid B. Um, I thought it was a, a good, a good one one match. Focus on your main event, guys. Your main event story. You know, they had the little in between with Axel to kind of get him over a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just focusing on the main event characters and 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 the championship and the champion and his crew and their enemies. And you're also setting the seeds for feuds, you know, saying the seeds because essentially at the end of the day, Shane Douglas was a douchebag. Brian Lee comes in. Yeah. Tommy's Tommy. Well, yeah, Tommy's going to end up breaking off with Brian Lee. So, I mean, you're, you're doing, you're doing feuds inside of a big feud. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's great. You know, you're bringing in new people. The feud keeps going, you know, and it still isn't Dreamer and Raven, you know. Keep them apart. Yeah, it was a good show. I, I, I gave it like a, I guess a B, like a B minus, you know. B minus C plus would be about, about my range for that. Yeah, it was a solid show. Aaron? I'd be in around, I'd be in around that too. I mean, we didn't talk too much about the fact that they kept going backstage and it was about whether or not Raven was going to wrestle and Brian Lee wanted to take his place. So, I mean, that was kind of the story of the show. And that's why he kind of had that stuff in the middle because it, they were having storyline wise, they were having to stretch stretch because Raven didn't know if he was going to get in the match or not, but it was, it was a good show and them doing the thing with Shane, like taking the, taking the breaking the foot away from Tommy and Sandman on Raven and then him watching the pinfall or whatever. They're doing a good job reminding people that even though Shane is still, even though Shane is on the side of Sandman and Tommy, he's still a heel. Yeah, because they don't want want the people to get too behind him. Well, and he doesn't have, right. His his character isn't helping Tommy because he's a good guy. He's helping Tommy because it's a business arrangement. (laughs) It benefits him, man. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly why he watched the Hitman get beat up. He, he was like, oh, fuck it, I don't need him. He, that's one last person I got to deal with now. So, yeah, it, it was a good, it was a good ext- uh, you know, extension of the angle. Yeah, I, I liked it, you know. A solid B minus, C plus would be good for me. Yeah, I'll take that. Well, that being said... We got a, an, another good addition of ECW here, and it just 
week after week after week, it just gets better and better and better. Like I've always said, 96 is my favorite year of ECW because, and I'm not, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not saying that after barely legal ECW sucked. I'm just saying to me, ECW peaks at that first pay-per-view. And then oh, after that. closed up shop right then and there. Yeah, after that. And again, there's still good stuff. You know, there's still good matches. You've still got RBD and Jerry Lynn and all that stuff. And I know we're getting way into the future here. Yeah, but, it, but it's but, not the ECW that we, that we like. Right, right. It, there's money. There's actual money coming in, <laughs> kind, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah the uh, the underdog the underdog thing kind of goes away and yeah and, and and again like I said we've we've got a long time to get there but this just this really is from like the end of '95 until barely the until the first pay per view is is peak ECW to me so I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, you can't wait, man. Aaron Chad. Any parting words for our listeners this week? Just keep listening, man. Keep keep watching the product along with us. You know, check out the check out our Facebook group. You know, we, we still love the questions and the comments and stuff like that. Oh, and by the way, I want to thank two. I want to thank three countries. <laughs> All right, so the in the United States, our ranking, eh, we kind of have leveled out in the U.S. We're still there. We're still in like you know. The top couple hundred wrestling, which and 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 you hear a couple hundred and you're like, well, that's not good. No, it is. There's like fifteen thousand yeah. wrestling, but like every fucking guy with a computer has a wrestling podcast. So since we kind of hover around still in the top two hundred every week in the U.S., maybe we're up in the you know higher hundreds. Maybe one day we're down to two hundred. Whatever. I still think that's respectable. But I have oh, dude, to say, dude, yeah, it. I I, I tried to. I had to explain that to a lot of people when I talked to them about the show and they ask, you know, about ratings and I tell them, they were like, Oh, well, that's like, dude, you got to understand. It's a pro wrestling every, podcast. Every fucking guy with a cell phone and a neck beard has a fucking yeah. pro wrestling podcast. And they have been like 99.9% of them fucking stink. But anyway, I have to say, and you guys might laugh, but I think it's great. Every single week, almost every single day, I want to thank, first of all, our fans, whoever you are in Norway. <laughs> you you blue-eyed, blonde-haired, Aryan motherfuckers. We're always in the top 50 in Norway. <laughs> we, are, we are consistently, apparently we're big with white people, because we're consistently in the top, like, 100 in Germany. <laughs> and we are, we are consistently in the top in Canada. So for yeah. our listeners who... Whether you speak English or you're getting us through it, I don't know. Fuck, you must speak English because we do this show in English. But Norway, Canada, Germany, thank you. Thank you for supporting Reliving the Extreme. Was it Gutentag? We're going to start thank putting you. over fucking, uh-huh. we're going to start putting over fucking Stu Hart and Otto Wands on this show like you can't believe. <laughs> Wait till all party shows up in ECW. <laughs> They're going to lose their mind. Fuckers. <laughs> But whether you're in Germany, Canada, Norway, or the United States, or anywhere you listen to the show, we absolutely appreciate you listening every week. Yep. Sure do. And thank you, and hey, hey, we'll see you next week there, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> bet you're sure. Yeah, Akun. Akun. Akun, baby. <laughs> <Hasta> <laughs> la vista. 
<laughs> 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 That's too, baby. <laughs>